You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to the flagship podcast, everybody. I'm Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by Taylor Estes of 247sports.com. It's been a minute since we've talked to you here on the flagship podcast. Hope everyone's having a good summer. Uh, We just got back from Big 12 football media days, got all kinds of updates for you on the Texas Longhorns coming out of summer workouts training camp starting August 2nd. Taylor, how's your uh, how's your summer been? It's been good. You know, we, uh, as Chip mentioned, we were just at Big 12 Media Days. Uh, we are actually heading to SEC Media Days, too, coming up. We will be there this next week, but uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good summer. I think you've had more fun recently, Chip, with your vacations that you've had, which is why we have not had an episode of the flagship podcast for a while. <laughs> I had to get out of the heat. I had to I go, don't blame uh, you. <laughs> go don't to Colorado, blame you. <laughs> get out of the heat. But now I'm uh, I'm cooking like a popcorn kernel in the microwave and and ready to talk some football, Taylor. So um obviously it was it was uh you know interesting going to the last Big 12 football media days for Texas and Oklahoma and uh Brett Yormark um saying that you know, the Big 12 commissioner is saying that he wants this year to be a celebration, including a celebration of Texas and Oklahoma, who founded the Big 12. Yeah. Texas Athletic Director DeLos Dodds, Oklahoma Athletic Director Donnie Duncan uh, formed this conference back in 1996. but um, And saved know, it in 2010, too. And saved it in 2010. That's right. And, of course, this also was the first Big 12 football media days for uh, Houston, Central Florida, BYU, and Cincinnati. And so we got to know those uh, those teams, if you will. And, um, it, it, you know, walking out of the Cowboys AT&T Stadium on, uh, you know, the after Wednesday, uh, it was a little, you know, there was a little nostalgia. Um, but I'm ready to get on with football season, and it sounds like the Texas Longhorns are too. I mean, the thing that stood out, I think, to everyone, because I talked to other members of the media who cover um, other schools in the Big 12, Barry Trammell, columnist for the Oklahoman, and um, you know, Gabe Eichert, former Oklahoma offensive lineman. And I think the thing that stuck out to them about Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns is the, the, they're comfortable in their own skin. Um, Steve Sarkeesian said that his team is on a mission that he said, this team is different because of the connectivity, the, 
the player leadership. He said that, you know, he's supporting the players as opposed to leading them. The players are leading and he's lending them their support, which I thought was interesting. And we know that Steve Sarkeesian is, is not prone to hyperbole. He's a guy who's definitely trying to establish Texas as a championship program, talking openly about his desire and his, uh, his feeling that this Texas team can contend and win a big 12 championship. And, and it was interesting. Players were asked, uh, why should people believe that Texas is, is on the verge or is finally ready to win a big 12 championship. And a lot of them said they don't have to believe they can just come and watch. Um, yeah. And so I think there's a confidence in the way that they're preparing. We'll find out. I mean, we're not in the workouts with Tory Becton. We're not at the seven on seven or the limited two hours of practice each week that the coaches and players can spend time, um, you know, together, but, in talking to the players and the players always know, I feel like if you ask the players about who's standing out or a player who could surprise, they, they usually have a pretty good idea. So I think there's some, you know, since Quinn Ewers was there at big 12 football media days, he certainly seemed more confident and he, he talked about everything from uh, changing his diet to, eating a, a ton more salmon and getting rid of uh, the processed and junk food. Um, he said it not only made him feel better physically, but mentally that his head is clearer um, by cleaning up his diet. And, and I thought Jordan Whittington in, in talking about Quinn Ewers, both he and Xavier Worthy were asked, what is the biggest jump that Quinn Ewers has made? They both said leadership, nothing to do with on the field stuff but leadership. And uh, Jordan Whittington said about a month ago that uh, Quinn was talking to the team. Some other players started talking while he was talking. And he said, you know, please don't talk while I'm talking. And that it kind of shut down that little exchange that was going on. And, and Jordan Whittington said, that's when I knew he's, become the the leader the head of the snake as Xavier Worthy called him so um we'll see obviously what Quinn Ewers looks like on the field but according to his teammates he has taken over he's talking before practice about what's what he wants to see from workouts he's talking after workouts about what he saw what they did well what they need to do better so Quinn Ewers totally outside of his comfort zone and and apparently a lot more confident than where he was a year ago yeah, and, and that's like, honestly, when you go outside your comfort zone, you want it to come off naturally. And if a guy like Jordan Whittington, who's been around the program for so many years, feels like there's a shift there, that's that should not be something that should be overlooked, honestly. I think everyone's known that Quinn Ewer's ceiling from an athletic, a talent perspective is high. I mean, you know, we work in this industry, Chip. We've worked in this industry, the recruiting rankings industry for so many years. We know how much work goes into evaluating and actually going through the rankings process way more than what fans ever really probably or understand, honestly, because it, it's especially seeing it from behind the scenes from my position now. I mean, it's even more than what I thought at the team site, you know, rankings wise, but like, they don't give out those perfect rate 
ratings, you know, the, the one rating for a five-star prospect, they, they don't do it intentionally. And Quinn Ewers was one of the few. And so, you know, we, I think everyone's always known that his ceiling from a talent perspective is very, very high. However, how is his demeanor going to be? You know, he, some, you know, Riley Dodge, for instance, came on the flagship podcast back in the spring, talked about how, you know, Quinn Ewers was, I guess it was last spring, actually, excuse me, but how Quinn Ewers, you know, had this like cool, calm demeanor. A lot of times he had to check himself because he almost wondered if he was like being like too much, like as the head coach trying to push him to get some type of expression out of him and hearing Jordan Whittington, like that type of guy saying he sees a difference. The fact that that guy who's always been the cool guy, kind of like not cool guy in like a bad way, but like cool, calm demeanor is actually telling like standing up and saying like, Hey, I'm talking that that's, that's a little thing that those little type of off season things for teams that are starting to build that shouldn't go overlooked. And if Jordan Whittington is willing to say that like on the record and talk about that openly, then that's, I think that actually is probably bigger than what most people may make of it. Yeah. And, and Jordan Whittington said, it means more coming from the quarterback, especially Absolutely. if he's backing it up on the field, which Jordan Whittington said yours is um, than if a receiver like himself, yeah. who Steve Sarkeesian has pointed to as sort of taking over the, the Roshan Johnson role of leadership on this team. Um, Whittington said it, it means more coming from the quarterback because that guy is the head of the snake. He's the the tip of the spear. And, um, he touches the ball every time the offense is on the field. That's right. It's, He's got to be important in the, the commander. Room He's too. the commander yeah. in chief. <laughs> and so, you know, Jordan Whittington um, said that it takes pressure off of all the other uh, position groups when the quarterback is a guy that everyone will rally behind. Now, again, we'll see once the season starts. But again, it sounds like when yours and maybe some of that is feeling the you know, the presence of Malik Murphy and, and Arch Manning behind him. I'm, you know, undoubtedly Steve Sarkeesian has said how important it is for the quarterback to be more outspoken. Sark talked about that after the spring, um, told Quinn, okay, if, if this is going to be your team, you need to act like it's your team. And he's doing that. And, and so I think, you know, the vibe of, you know, chemistry uh, you know, among the players is, is a solid one. I asked Jordan Whittington what his biggest concern was at, at this point, And he said, not having a bluebell ice cream endorsement deal. So <laughs> it, it just sounds like there's a lot of uh, harmony going on. And, and I'll say this too, in talking to Jordan Whittington, everyone always, you know, Longhorn nation, uh, college football fans want to know who the, the players are who could emerge uh, for the you know Texas Longhorns and Jordan Whittington pointed um, to Jonathan Brooks on offense. So did Xavier Worthy, by the way. Uh, but to Jalen Catalan, the Arkansas transfer safety, as being a guy who has just had a huge presence on this defense already uh, in the summer because of how much film study he does, how you know, he's been coaching the younger safeties and the veteran safeties. Jaron Thompson uh, said uh, to me, you know, during the 
during spring ball that Jalen Catalan was doing a good job of, of teaching him things and the way that he sees things. And we know Jalen Catalan is a, is a film junkie, but he's full speed now. And Jordan Whittington said, we can't hit each other, but that dude is flying by me every time I'm making a catch, meaning he would have been there to light me up. And, and that's how Jalen Catalan plays. We've talked about that. He's a missile, a lot like Kenny Vaccaro, um, you know, just a Even big Quandre hitter. Even Quandre Diggs. Quandre Diggs. They call him hitter. Quandre like, the, the Giant at 5'9 for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we haven't seen safeties with that much confidence, that ability to take the right angle and come from five, six, seven yards at full speed and just light people up. So uh, that's probably Brandon Jones, right? When yeah, played, Brandon Jones. I think Brandon, Brandon Jones. He was, he was, yeah, him, and then probably Kenny Vaccaro. I mean, yeah. can is was there anyone else? And I'm trying to think if I, if I have to think this long in covering yeah, the program. But I mean, you it, get the point. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah, a guy exactly. Who, he's a he different. brings that thunder, and and Jordan Whittington said this guy is going to help us a ton. And uh, Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington at the corner position talked about Terrence Brooks and, and Jalen Ford too. Right. And, and Jalen Ford too. And Xavier worthy mentioned Malik Muhammad. So um, it's always interesting to hear who the, the guys at big 12 football media days are pointing to as guys who maybe haven't had their uh, chance in the spotlight yet who could get into that spotlight and, and make a lot out of it. So um, some, you know, some little nuggets there for sure. Yeah. I mean, think about last year, Chip, at Big 12 Media Days, the talk was about Jalen Ford. Jalen Ford That's had right. really not played a ton. And Jalen Ford going, he should have been the uh, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year last year, in my opinion. Uh, that We've talked about that before. We felt like he got snubbed. But he is the Big 12 Preseason Defensive Player of the Year this year. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that should not be overlooked too. And with, you know, we've talked a lot about Jalen Catalan here on the flagship podcast. Like I've, I've said a couple of times, like if he's healthy, he's a one and done type of guy. And I know that's not necessarily a thing in uh, football. That's more of a basketball term, but with the transfer portal era of college football, that means that he's a guy that probably one healthy season, he's probably going to be a, a first, second or third round draft pick. Um, he was a freshman All-American in the SEC when he was at Arkansas. It was a huge get by Texas. The question has been with him is his health. You know, can he stay healthy? He's had a little bit of the case of the injury bug. But if he's going at full speed at this point, that seems a little bit ahead of schedule from what we were hearing when he first transferred, right? Because well, wasn't he his, was more like hopefully by fall camp, hopefully more so? His surgery was on the shoulder, and so – They've held him out of contact until fall camp, but they're, um, you know, in their summer workouts where it's kind of a seven on seven format. Yeah. But if know, he's going full speed, that's a different, right. that shows to me, he's maybe ahead of, or at least on schedule to be ready to go by fall camp. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. No, that's, that's good news. That's big news. And um, we, we, cornered uh, Steve Sarkeesian about his new special assistants and um, Jeff Howe and I both wrote about this coming out of big 12 football media days, but I thought one 
question saying that Joe D. Camillus, the 30-year uh, special teams guru in the NFL, won a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos, um, Super Bowl 50, and then won a Super Bowl two years ago with the L.A. Rams. And um, Steve Sarkeesian spends time with Sean McVay, the head coach of the Rams. And while he was out there the last time, um, you know, they were uh, Jeff Banks, the Texas special teams coordinator, and of course, tight ends coach, has a very long standing relationship with Joe D. Camillus. And um, when Joe D. Camillus and the Rams parted ways after last season, Banks said to Sarkeesian, Hey, man, this guy handles game management for the Rams and did during their Super Bowl season. And with the college football rules changing this upcoming season to where the clock is not going to stop after a first down unless there's uh two minutes or less remaining the clock's going to run much more like the nfl which is going to cut back on plays cut back on possessions and and so having a guy who's you know done that for a super bowl winning team in the nfl uh, again just shows to me the the awareness the the self-reflection, the self-scouting that Steve Sarkeesian has been doing in, in preparation for what he obviously hopes is a Big 12 championship run. And he's bringing in more A's, you know, A's hire A's, B's hire C's. And Steve Sarkeesian's not afraid to surround himself with guys who have a ton of experience. I mean, Paul Christ, the former head coach at Wisconsin, won 72% of his games uh, in eight years at Wisconsin and got let go because of a new athletic director who wanted his own guy. Um, and, and Paul Christ obviously is a special assistant to Steve Sarkeesian. And he's a guy who loves to run the football and loves to run it different ways. And I, you know, Steve Sarkeesian made it sound like I want to explore all those different ways with, um, Kyle Flood, the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach at Texas, to make sure that they're, you know, adding the right things or doing the right things. Steve Sarkeesian said they're adding things right now. They didn't even practice in the spring um, just to see if it's going to work. And that's, again, you don't want to get too crazy with adding yeah. a bunch of stuff, but you do have 15 practices in fall camp to work on a couple of new wrinkles. And I think that, um, Again, it just feels like Steve Sarkeesian's doing what he can to, you know, change the signals of the plays um, this this summer. And it, it that was a big undertaking. You know, you're changing all the communication um, from the sideline to from the coaches to the players. And again, that's another thing that you're just checking to make sure that you're not, you know, your your slip isn't showing anywhere as you enter what you hope to be a really important season. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to go like Howard Hughes, crazy, like paranoia. And it's like, you know what I mean? But like you have to self-evaluate. And that's, I think the biggest thing with, with Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach is probably the biggest question about Texas going into this year. Obviously they've done a great job recruiting both out of the high school level, out of the transfer portal, adding key additions across the board. But the question's been, can Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach coach to an elite level that head coaches should, the elite head coaches in college football? And that's not a knock on him. It's just you people like to look at the stats and the stats show that he's never won more than nine games in a football season as a head coach. 
However, the the fact that he is willing to go outside and get somebody that's going to be in charge of game management or help him with game management, Chip, how many times do we talk about that being something that is so overlooked if you're a head coach and an offensive play caller that people like don't realize how hard that actually is. And it's like you have to be three steps ahead, but at that point you are actually probably a little bit behind. And I think we saw it sometimes last year in games, you know, at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma State, there were some times where you were kind of like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you rushing, you know, the punt team on there until the official officials can like look to see if, it was like Jordan Whittington or something like caught the ball in bounds. And it was like all of a sudden the punt team's on there. Like there was those type of questions. And I think the best type of coaches are the ones that can realize where their flaws are and, you know, and really try to work on them and bringing in a guy like Joe DeCamillas, you know, who has done it at the highest level with a Super Bowl team under Sean McVay, who's one of the you know, bright young coaches in the um, National Football League. I think that this shows that Sark gets it in a way that I don't know he's really had necessarily a chance to show he's gotten it, you know, but with what he is building around Texas and the staff he's building, even like last year bringing Gary Patterson in just to be a special assistant, he realizes that I feel like his ego is in check and that's a good thing because you have to have a certain level of ego as a head coach. You don't want that ego to overtake where you think, you know, it all. And Steve Sarkeesian bringing in guys like this, bringing in a Paul Chris, um, bringing in Joe DiCamillo's last year, bringing in Gary Patterson. I think that shows that he realizes he can't do it all. And that's a really good thing for Texas moving forward. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you look at, um, Gary Patterson, um, and he's, you know, he came in for a year. Who knows? He jokingly says, if if I'm, you know, getting itchy to to be around football, I may call Sark and see if I can come in in August. But, um, you know, I agree. And I think Mac Brown surrounded himself with the best coaches he could find. Tom Herman didn't um, until it was too late. I mean, it, it – um, you know, in certain instances, I'll say, because he, he, he had it, he could have hired anyone he wanted. And, you know, he ended up bringing, you know, some coaches who may not have been ready for prime time. I'm not going to relive all that history, but, you know, a couple on the offensive side of the ball, he let go of Jeff trailer. I mean, it, um, you, biggest mistake he made of his yeah of his I mean you gotta career, you gotta <laughs> if you're an A you hire A's and I just think that Steve Sarkeesian has done that this also again reinforces the importance of Jeff Banks on this coaching staff mm-hmm. because this guy is connected he networks like crazy he's not just a great recruiter he's a great recruiter of coaches mm-hmm. um, and probably would be a head coach right now if not for that you know, that monkey gate situation a couple of years ago, he probably would have gotten the Washington state job as alma mater. Um, so Texas knock on wood, fortunate to have Jeff Banks because obviously his relationship with Joe DeCamillis was a huge factor in DeCamillis um, deciding to take this year to observe how Jeff Banks does things for Banks to work with D Camillus. And then if D Camillus wants to go back into the NFL, um, he does it. But um, I thought those were significant. And then, you know, I think when you look at the defensive side of the football, 
uh, Steve Sarkeesian talking about Tavondre Sweat as a, a guy who maybe lacked um, awareness when he you know, first got there three years ago. Um, and, and, and how hard you have to work and how much effort it takes. Um, and, and Steve Sarkeesian said, he's seeing that now that, that constant motor, that desire to win a big 12 championship. And he has stepped up as a leader. Um, Jalen Ford obviously was at big 12 football media days and his teammates all, totally respect him because he put it in the books last year, led the team in tackles four interceptions uh, also led the team. But um, you know, it's interesting to hear Jalen Ford talk about uh, the other linebacker. I mean, Texas will pretty much be in a four, two, five, but at times they'll, um, you know, be in a, a, a four or a three, three, five. And Jalen Ford talked about, um, you know, Mo Blackwell and David Benda and also Steve Sarkeesian. When I asked him for a surprise player in 2023, he mentioned David Benda and Baron Sorrell. So um, keep an eye on David Benda. Um, he's been there the whole time. I mean, he's, he's a senior and he's played, uh, but he could be, um, you know, getting a lot more time or splitting time with Mo Blackwell at that weak side linebacker position and, and then look for Anthony Hill, the freshman, um, to come on and in a pass rushing situation as sort of that strong side linebacker, uh, pass rusher. So um, everyone feels good about those guys. And uh, and then you know, as we mentioned in the secondary, you know, Jalen Catalan playing a key role in some of those uh, corners that were mentioned: Terrence Brooks, Malik Muhammad, Gavin Holmes. Obviously, Ryan Watts. I mean, everyone has said that guy has just locked down the boundary corner position that he played last year, and everyone feels good about him um, as well. So, it's there's a lot to like uh, as far as is what's going on, and uh, obviously, with fall camp starting August second, we'll we'll get to see for ourselves, and of course, be able to report on what these guys finally look like in Pats. Yeah, for sure. I think Baron Sorrell, I mean, I don't know. I feel like him, uh, he's one of those guys that I feel like we've been like watching him last year kind of progress every single game, it seemed. I feel like he's going to be a monster. I really do. I think that he is, you know, really poised for that. And and as Chip mentioned earlier, listening to what players, especially at this time of year, who they are pointing to as guys that could be impacts or leaders and stuff like that, that, that should resonate, um, you know, because they're around them, you know, Steve Sarkeesian's not around the team as much as the teams around them. They're not around them as much as like Tory Becton's around them. Obviously we never talked to Tory Becton, but yeah, I think, I think that's big to see. And, and I think Jalen Catalan, you know, is kind of, if he can stay healthy, is he going to be the Ryan Watts of last year from the transfer portal? Right. The addition, yeah, the impact, you know, that Ryan Watts brought in the 2022 season was critical, you know? I mean, huge, huge in a way that I don't know anybody necessarily expected. I don't I don't necessarily – I knew he had a, a lot of talent. I didn't necessarily expect him to just be just that lockdown type of corner that he ended up being. And the one I'm also curious about is Byron Murphy. I think Byron Murphy – I don't know if I'm just like – 
as Chip is on, you know, the Anthony Hill like bandwagon, I think that Byron Murphy might be my my guy where I'm like I'm like the leader of the Byron Murphy fan train right now um, because I just think he's poised to have a monster year, um, um, like a big time monster year. I think him and Baron Sorrell could could cause some disruptions this season for Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I think Byron Murphy. I mean, um, you know, I think Blake Brockermeyer said um, in you know, former Longhorn offensive lineman, 24-7 sports analyst, said that he thinks the defensive line will be better this year because he likes um, how active and and how well Byron Murphy uses his hands and and just how big and strong and and you know effective Tavondre Sweat has shown at times. So um, that that's another one. And I should I should also mention Trill Carter, the the Minnesota transfer. who has gotten solid reviews from the players that we talked to at big 12 football media days. He's a, you know, six, two, 300 pound guy who can play nose or three technique and started the last two seasons at Minnesota for a team that won nine games, each of those two seasons. So he knows what it's like to play winning football. um, And he's going to be, absolutely in the rotation the players said I mean that it's you know obviously you've got Alfred Collins you've got Vernon Broughton and there's different packages for them um but all those guys are going to be involved in the rotation uh at that tackle position especially early in the season when you're you know what is it 108 degrees out right now yeah so uh it feels like we're under a magnifying glass in Austin but this um you know, that's more good news, you know, and again, knock wood, but the injury bug, you know, the team is, is like in, you know, in good shape, everyone's back from surgery, you know, from Connor Robertson and Cole Hudson and, and uh, you know, DJ Campbell, they all had off season surgery as did um, Jalen Gilbo. So Gilbo is back hundred percent ready to go. Uh, backing up Jade Barron at the nickel position, um, you know, and all those corners, Austin Jordan, Xavion Bryce, Malik Muhammad, Gavin Holmes, they're going to be in the rotation too. And so there should be no excuse for as hot as it's going to be in September and October in Austin. Um, you know, it sounds like the defensive coaches are going to be comfortable uh, roting, rotating some of those guys um, to keep, to keep guys fresh. So we'll see how that goes, but there's a lot of confidence on that, uh, on that defensive side of the football. Yeah. And And if someone's name is Trill Carter, that's like the best name ever. It's like, he's, he's already came in with respect with that name. So (laughs) I'm excited to see him. The Cincinnati has a defensive tackle named Dante Corleone, who probably wins like, cause you just have an image of the Godfather, but, um, and that guy's a player. So uh, I don't know how good Cincinnati's going to be. I think I'm picking them to finish last. But their C- Cincinnati's defense should be pretty good, and that Dante Corleone kid is, is pretty good. Um, I know, Taylor, we got to get to uh, love it or leave it, but special teams, um, you know, Ryan Sanford, the transfer punter from Stanford, uh, from what I'm hearing, looks comfortable and is, is you know, able to boom punts, spin them. We'll see how it goes. Uh, he did well at Stanford, obviously as a multi-year starter. So 
Um, and Bert Auburn, the, the man with the burnt orange hair is, uh, everybody feels good about him. So, um, and I'll just say, well, you know what? I'll say it in love it or leave it. Okay. You want to go to love it or leave it? Yeah. Let's, let's get to love it or leave it. You ready? All right. Yeah. Before we get there, we're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned. We have much more Texas football talk coming up. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Chip. First, love it or leave it for you. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Love it or leave it. Steve Sarkeesian telling Horns 24-7 he's going to put special assistant Joe DeCamillis in charge of game management is a big deal. I'm going to love this because there were times last year, and you pointed it out, um, there were times during the season last year where it felt like uh, a wasted possession or lack of awareness for um, time and you know situation in the Texas Tech game, in even the TCU game, as well as the Oklahoma State game. And so I think this is a great move. Um, I hope Paul Christ will be whispering into Sark's other ear uh, when to be patient with the run. And um, I keep going back to this, Sonny Dykes telling us that, um, you know, there were times last year where he felt you know, what said to Garrett Riley, his then offensive coordinator, Hey, don't you think we need to throw it? And Garrett Riley said, no, we're good. And that was including the, the game where TC was behind Oklahoma state 24 to seven, and then rallied to win it in overtime. And I think that's going to be important for Steve Sarkeesian too, because I, I feel like he got away from the run in the Texas tech game and the Oklahoma state game. Um, and 
and gave up on the run in the TCU game. I mean, it. so look, these are, these are things, again, you credit Steve Sarkeesian for bringing in personnel as special assistants like Paul Christ and Joe DiCamilla. So yes, I'm going to love this. Um, I think these are as big of hires as Sark bringing in Gary Patterson on the defensive side uh, last year. How about you? Yeah, I hold, I fully agree with you. I mean, like we talked a lot about, you know, the, the struggles that an, a head coach has and being also the offense coordinator. I mean, look at Jimbo Fisher. He hired an offensive coordinator probably to try to save his job. We'll see if that actually works out with Bobby Petrino coming in there. But, you know, like there are so many different things as a, that a head coach has to look at. You know, when the offense comes off the field, Steve Sarkeesian can't go over to the quarterbacks who he coaches and gets a read from Quinn Ewers because he has to watch the defense that's on the field then, you know? And so having, I feel like there were times and talking to sources last season at Texas, there were times where it sounded like Sark was put himself on an Island. And even the people that were talking in his headset, he was not listening to. So if this is going to be a situation where he brings on Joe DeCamillis, who's going to be next to him on the field and able to like actually listen to him, this will be huge. And same with a Paul Chris too. Um, I think the biggest, the biggest thing is Sark has to actually listen to it and not just tune people out because he has so many other things going, but I feel like he's moving in the direction of realizing that he, he needed the additional assistant. He may have had some of the assistants last season and he probably didn't listen to it, but he's been really good when it comes to, you know, um, self critiquing, himself and the job that he does I feel like since he's been the head coach of Texas so if as as long as he does listen to Joe D. Camillus and Paul Chris assuming Paul Chris you know is on the Texas staff and you know doesn't try to take another job like yeah absolutely this is a huge huge deal and it's going to be something like you you mark your you, like you know this episode of the flagship podcast in mid July. We could go back to and be like, see, we told you, we told you, <laughs> you know, like because that's how big of a deal I think it could be. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, love it or leave it. Number two. All right, number two, love it or leave it. Texas fans should be excited that Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, and Jalen Ford said running back Jonathan Brooks will be the player who surprises in twenty twenty three. Uh, yeah, I'm going to love this. And I've, I'm on the record here on the flagship podcast of saying Jonathan Brooks is the thousand yard rusher uh, for Texas in 2023, that he's, he's ready. He's hungry. He's starving. I've written about this in the insider. Um, he is, you know, and it's always interesting to hear Steve Sarkeesian talk about Jonathan Brooks as a running back. He'll talk about Keelan Robinson being so, versatile he'll but when he talks about Jonathan Brooks he just says he has such a natural feel for running the football and it, it it's a I, I agree I mean he he looks like he's gliding but he sets up runs he sees the the openings knows um you know where to to cut to make defenders miss and and with his hunger I think you throw that on top of everything um yeah I think Texas fans uh, and the team is got to be excited that uh, that Jonathan Brooks could could just pick up and you know be another thousand yard rusher for Texas. They had a drought 
of thousand yard rushers after Jamal Charles until Deontay Foreman, it seems. But um, and since Deontay Foreman in 2016, um, Texas, you know, didn't have a thousand yard rusher until Bijan Robinson. So this is yeah, I, I'm going to love this, Taylor. Long, long winded answer. How about you? Yeah, I absolutely am going to love it. And you also are going to love the fact that Jonathan Brooks has stuck around and learned from Bijan Robinson and learned from Roshan Johnson. I mean, those are two players that are very difficult to replace. I mean, I will say this time and again, like when I used to cover recruiting, I covered some really elite running backs. I covered Leonard Fournette. I covered Joe Mixon, um, personal issues aside, but very talented guys. And, you know, um, from the college level, you know, uh, um, Deontay Foreman, but Bijan Robinson was a generational type of player. Like, and I, that's the only person I will say that about. I, I truly, truly wholeheartedly believe that. Yet those are big shoes to fill. The best part I think about Jonathan Brooks is he has sat for two years now behind John or behind, excuse me, Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, and the learning that he took probably in that time is, is so critical. And the fact that the players are acknowledging this when this guy has never had the chance to even be the starter, like let alone be the second string running back at Texas, that's saying a lot. I think that's really saying a lot. So I think if you're a Texas fan, you've got to be excited that Jonathan Brooks is there. Not saying that he's going to take over for what Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson were able to do, because again, Bijan Robinson, in my opinion, is a generational type of player very few people are ever going to fill his shoes. However, if you want somebody, you know, who can, is going to come close and the players think it, Jonathan Brooks seems to be the the guy. So, um, yeah, I, I think you and I are both on the same page with how we feel about Jonathan Brooks, you know, kind of the unspoken, like the, you know, guy that's just been kind of waiting there in the, by the wayside, like waiting for his opportunity. Now he has it. I mean, all I needed to know was he had that, that hernia injury all last season and refused to get surgery until the day after the Alamo bowl, because he did not want to not be there for the team. When I found that out, when I reported the news that he had the surgery the day after the Alamo bowl, I was like, all right, I'm sold on Jonathan Brooks. Like, I, I'm not going to look at the stats. I'm sold on this this character of a player, and I think I think the fact that the players are talking about him is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, love it or leave it. Number three. Final one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, my voice is kind of going. Love it or leave it. After Big Twelve Media Days, you're more convinced Texas will be in the Big Twelve title game this season. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll love this. I, I think Texas has the best roster in the big 12. And I think they have the, um, I'll just say that. I think they have the best roster in terms of talent experience. Um, you know, Will Howard at Kansas state is, is had more years at K state and being in that system. Um, and you could say Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma at quarterback has, you know, with all of his time at Central Florida. But I think we saw from Quinn Ewers in the Alabama game and in the Oklahoma game what his upside is. We certainly saw the the, the floor uh, against Oklahoma State and TCU. But the freshman, basically. Right, the, the freshman, freshman floor, out, yeah. you know, the <laughs> ups and downs, the growing pains, whatever. But 
receivers, offensive line, just take it all in the defensive side of the football. Again, especially if a guy like Jalen Catalan is back to being an all SEC type performer, then I think Texas has the best roster in the Big 12 and absolutely should be in the Big 12 title game and probably should win it. Now, they're going to have to, you know, depending on how it all shakes out, because they do have uh, what, um, I don't know six, how many teams do they have this year. Uh, what the big 12. Yeah. 14, 14. 14. Mm-hmm. 14. So, you know, there's a chance you won't have a rematch for the big 12 title game, but there's a chance you will, which, which is probably a good thing. Rematches usually don't Tough. end up well for the people that won the first battle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, TCU beat, K-State during the regular season and K-State beat TCU for the Big 12 championship. So Texas um, beat OU in 2018. OU beat Texas in the Big 12 championship. I mean, right. pretty much every every year, it's pretty much turned out like that. Right. So it, it, it's going to be, you know, look, I think Texas is going to have to prove it September 23rd at Baylor. I mean, Baylor had a lead on Texas in the fourth quarter last year in Austin. And that was a Baylor team that disappointed mightily um, and now has the, or should have the, the burning desire to, to bounce back. So, and we know that Texas has had road issues, all that. I mean, Texas has to play back-to-back road games in November at Iowa state at TCU, Texas is three and eight against TCU the last 11 years. So I'm not saying it's going to be easy and, and there's probably going to be a, I mean, if his recent history shows us, um, even back to Tom Herman and Charlie Strong, there there always has seemed to be a hiccup early in the season that you weren't expecting, whether it was Maryland or uh, BYU or or that dated back to Mac Brown. Let's be real, Cal. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, uh, it and last year Texas Tech. So it, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm I'm plenty. Uh, concerned if I'm Texas about, you know, September 23rd and obviously going to Bay, I mean, uh, Alabama week two, but Texas will not be favored in that game. So um, here's the thing. You got to win the games you're supposed to win. That's what the great coaches do. That's, that's what Nick Saban does. It's what Kirby smart does. It's what um, heck is what Les miles did at LSU. He won the games he was supposed to win. And that that's how you keep the fan base happy. And as long as you're, doing that and Texas is probably going to be favored in 11 games. So uh, win the games you're supposed to win, but yeah, I'm going to love this. Uh, I think Texas will be in the big 12 title game. I think they'll play K state Taylor, but uh, yeah, I'm going to love this. How about you? Yeah. I mean, I think we've said before, Chip, if Texas is not in the Big 12 title game, I think the general something consensus will be, yeah, something went wrong or there was like a, like barring injury, right? Because I, I feel right. like fans want to like overlook injuries. Some injuries can be so crucial, like just there's no way to overcome it, honestly. And so, you know, this is, there's, this isn't the NFL where you can go like try to get like a free agent, you know, coming out or like, you know, or like, you know, elevate somebody from a practice squad or whatever it is like, this is, it's different. There there's limits that in college football you have. So barring any injury, I feel like Texas has to be in the big 12 title game this year, because I agree with you. I think that they do have one or the best probably roster in the big 12, if not 
among the best in college football. And I know that probably sounds crazy, but because it's Texas and all we know about Texas in the last 10 years is they're going to disappoint you at some point. Like they're going to lose a game they're not supposed to lose or they're going to win a game they're not supposed to win. But I think if you actually look from top to bottom, this is the most complete Texas roster that I've ever seen in my 12 seasons covering Texas football. Now, those 12 seasons have been great. But one of the seasons did at least end with a Sugar Bowl appearance and an upset of Georgia and a Big 12 title appearance. Um, This roster is night and day better, in my opinion, than that 2018 Texas roster. And I, I feel like um, like if Texas is not in the big 12 title game, it's one of two reasons. It's Sark isn't over his head, which I don't think he is. I really don't. I think he is um, really matured as a head coach. I think, I think he's on the right path. It's either that or just depleted with injuries. Aside from those, if they're not in there, like I, I will be shocked if that's not one of the two reasons if Texas isn't a big 12 title game. So um you know, barring anything like that, then yeah, I think that everything we heard, I, you can tell even the big 12 officials, I I feel like there's a different approach to Texas this year. There's not necessarily much of a push to promote them. First time Texas was picked in the preseason big 12 uh, championship or big 12 media poll to win the big 12 um, since the, the league, you know, went divisionless and all of that back. And whatever that was. But yeah, I think I think Texas, everything is lining up for Texas to win and win big, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think you have to love this one. Yeah. All right. There you have it, kids. Uh, Some summer football. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in to this edition of the flagship podcast. Um, And make sure you're subscribed to horns247.com make sure you're an annual member so that you get vip access to all the uh preeminent all the team sites on the preeminent 24 7 sports network and make sure you're subscribed to uh the horns 24 7 youtube channel so that you never miss an episode of any of our podcasts here on the horns 24 7 platform Uh, For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount+. And for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. (laughs) Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount+. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.